At FIE, we're not just students and faculty. We're not only learners and lecturers. We are expanding minds, expanding futures. We're redefining the classroom. We are life-changing. Eye-opening. We are a community driven by our values that wants you, you, yes, you, to join. Hello and welcome back to the FIE Student Global Leadership Podcast Series. Today's podcast comes to us from Dr. Basil Reed. Basil's background includes a distinguished career in the US Navy, experience as a university professor, and service as a professor and associate dean for leadership development in, in a US government agency. Dr. Reed combines practitioner and academic experience to provide realistic insights into leadership theory and practice. So without further ado, Dr. Basil Reed. Greetings. Welcome to this session on leading and following in uncertain times through influence, collaboration, and engagement. I'm Basil Reed, an adjunct professor in global leadership at Troy University in the United States. And today we're going to gain some purchase about what it means to lead and follow in the 21st century. How can we have a positive impact on our organization, regardless of the position we find ourselves in? I want to start by taking a look at what we think about leadership. Many people have a tendency to think of leadership as something that belongs to the leader. However, the late Boaz Shamir, I think, had better purchase on this. He thinks that leadership is an outcome. In other words, leadership is something that you experience. Now, if you think about it, we've all had good leadership experiences, and we've had leadership experiences that have left something to be desired. What caused that? It's the way that the leader and the follower or followers interacted. According to Shamir, leadership is something that is co-created or co-produced by the leader and the follower coming together and inputting to each other. So when we think about leadership, we have to get rid of that concept that leadership belongs to the leader. Leadership belongs to all of us. Everyone that's involved in a particular situation is contributing to what the leadership is. What's its character and quality? What type of experience is it? Now, unfortunately, some of our understanding of leadership is based on our 20th century lens. In other words, that industrial age lens. And if you think back to the industrial age, it was all about hierarchy. It was all about command and control. Think about the assembly line, which is kind of the epitome of uh, the industrial age or the paramount example that people use when they think about the industrial age. Thinking about that assembly line, we can think about one of the earliest ones, the one invented by Henry Ford. And if you uh, know anything about the automobile industry, Ford was one of the first to introduce an assembly line. And essentially what happened was the, the automobile chassis moved along to various uh, points. And at each point, workers did something to the automobile before it moved on to the next station. 
So let's say that you are on this assembly line and your job is to put on a door handle. So the chassis moves in front of you, you pick up your tools, you pick up the handle and you attach it. And you're gonna repeat that over and over and over again. How much thought and effort goes into attaching a door handle? Well, over time, very little. All that's necessary is some muscle memory. And where's the leader? Well, in this case, the leader might be the shop foreman who's standing over your shoulder, making sure that you're putting each one of those handles on the doors correctly. There is no thought. There's no need for you to bring any knowledge or any real skill to the organization. That's completely different from where we are now in the 21st century. We're in the knowledge age where our employer expects us to bring our talent, our skill, our thought process, our innovation, our ideas into the organization to help it become more agile, to help it become better, to help it compete uh, on the global stage against similar organizations. Now there's another way to look at this idea of the industrial age versus the knowledge age. And this comes from Ira Chaloff, who is one of the leading people thinking about followership nowadays. And Ira says that in the old paradigm, the leader was the center. The leader was kind of the sun, if you will. And the follower orbited around the leader. So everything was about the leader. The follower was simply an order taker doing his or her job. But in the new reality, we've changed that. The center now is the purpose. What is the purpose or the mission of the organization? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What are we trying to enact? What are we trying to bring forward? In this new reality, the leader and the follower are working in tandem and they're orbiting that purpose. They're working together to accomplish a mission. What does this mean? This means potentially the follower is just as important as the leader. I think that uh, Sievers makes a very uh, important uh, remark and that's that it's the followers who actually make the leader successful. James McGregor Burns, uh, when he articulated his transformational leadership theory, talked a lot about how the leader transforms the followers. But what has been lost from uh, his early work is that he also believed that as the leader transformed the follower, the follower was simultaneously transforming the leader. So it's this idea of mutual transformation that gives us this idea that we are co-creators when we're in our follower role. We're helping to co-create what leadership looks like, what it feels like, how we interact with it, and how we see it. There's some work that was done uh, a few years ago by uh, Karsten and her colleagues. And what they discovered was that there are really three types of followers. And they're called passive, active, and proactive. The passive followers are what we think of as those industrial age workers. They're order takers. They're waiting to be told what to do. They do it 
and then they wait again until they're told to do something else. They take no initiative, they put new, no extra effort into the work. They're simply there as a resource. The second type of follower is the active follower. The active follower will actively engage with their opinions, their ideas, and they'll bring new innovation into the workplace, but they have to be asked to join in. Finally, we have the proactive followers. The proactive follower doesn't wait to be invited and certainly doesn't wait until be told. They automatically see where they can bring their talent, their skill uh, to bear on the situation. And they are firmly entrenched in what the purpose is and they want to make the purpose better. We know who the proactive follower was in this case. It was the first follower that we saw in the video. This is where we all want to be in our organizations. We don't want to wait to be told. We don't want to ask to be joined in. We want to actively engage and we want to do that in a proactive manner. So when we think about this and being proactive, what we're really thinking about is being in total partnership with the leader. We want to show the leader high support when the leader's actions and behaviors are contributing to that purpose, contributing to that mission. However, when the leader's actions or behaviors are detracting from the purpose or the mission, if you will, then we wanna challenge the leader. We wanna suggest that there's a better way of doing things. We wanna partner with them to make sure that they stay on the right track, that they're moving the mission or the purpose forward, and that they're also looking at the organizational vision. That vision is the idea of not where the organization currently is, but where the organization aspires to be. So being a follower and being proactive puts you in that position of partnership, working together with the leader for the betterment of the purpose and for looking at how we can take that vision and move it on to the next level. So let's go back to Shamir for a minute. Shamir says the character and quality of leadership is a direct outcome of leader-follower interaction. So therefore it must also be true that the character and quality of followership also results from leader-follower interaction. What does that mean? It means that the better that we foster our relationship with the leader, the more that we partner with the leader, the better the outcomes are going to be for us on an individual level and for our teammates as well. Now, how do we get there? How do we move forward? Well, I like this quote that comes from Adlai Stevenson. Stevenson was a, an American politician uh, in the 20th century, and in 1952, he was running for president of the United States. And Stevens said, who leads us is not as important as what leads us. Stevens is talking about the purpose. It should be the purpose that leads us, not the leader. It should be the purpose. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about what is the purpose of the organization you're currently in, be it an education organization, a work, or even in 
your relationships with your friends and colleagues? What's your purpose? What is it that is trying to be mutually accomplished? The next question is, what is your personal purpose? Where do you want to go and grow? What is your purpose? What gives you meaning in life? Take a moment and think about that. All right, so the final thing that I'd like you to do here is look at the organizational purpose and then look at your personal purpose. How do these align? How do they correspond to each other? How do they work to get you to that point where you want to be? Well, one of the ways we get to where we want to be is through self-leadership. Through self-leadership, we can find that we can take a lead role regardless of our position in the organization. A lead role means that we have influence in the outcome. It does not necessarily mean that we are the leader. We don't need to have that formal title or be in that formal position in order to take a lead role and make a difference from right where we are. And we can do this through a very cool way. And I refer to it as being cool because the acronym for it is ICE. The ICE factor is the idea of leading from where you are through influence, collaboration, and engagement. Leading from where you are through influence, collaboration, and engagement. Studies have shown that people who have influence, collaboration, and engagement succeed in the knowledge age. They are seen as great contributors to their organization, and they are certainly purpose-focused. So let's look at each one of these and think about how we can gain influence, collaborate effectively, and better engage around the purpose. So let's start with gaining influence. Think about what you do right now to gain influence uh, within an organization. Again, be that where you work, an organization that you belong to, or even gaining influence uh, in your studies. Let's uh, take a look at some factors that go into influence. First, in order to gain influence, we have to be knowledgeable. It's not enough to only know our own job or our own role within the organization. It's important that we understand the overall purpose of, of the organization, that we know what it, the organization is about, that we understand the factors that impact on the organization, that we know where the organization fits into the greater scheme of society and how our organization interacts with similar organizations and interacts with other things, which will include people, uh, governments, uh, and anything else that might impact the organization. How knowledgeable are we? If we're going to be knowledgeable, it's not important that we know everything. What's really important is that we know where to find things. And one of the ways we can do this is by expanding our networks. Let's say that you work in a large organization and the organization has 10 divisions and each division has three to five departments. It's probably going to be difficult to know 
everything about everything within each one of those departments. But if you know someone who is knowledgeable within each of those departments, who is willing to share with you because you're willing to share with them, you've now created a network. You've now become a valuable resource to your leader and to your team because you know where to go to get knowledge, where to go to find things out, how to get things accomplished all through your network. The next thing we want to do is be dependable. Being dependable simply means doing what we say we're going to do. It's more than just about showing up and being on time. It's really about being someone who can be counted on. It's someone who the leader or a member of the team can give a project to and turn away and not worry about it because they know that that person will see it through to completion. So being dependable is another way in which we can gain influence. To go along with being dependable, we want to do a little bit of the unexpected. And that is, we want to go beyond our own role. We constantly want to seek out ways for us to grow for our own personal growth, but also to help out the leader and the team. So we want to look for those opportunities that are out there, and we want to be among the first to volunteer. Finally, we want to support the leader and the team. If we're going to gain influence, we have to be seen as being trustworthy and reliable. And part of being trustworthy and reliable is showing support for our coworkers and the boss. Let's turn and look at collaborating effectively. Again, I'd like you to take just a moment to think about what you do now. How do you collaborate and how effective are you at collaborating? First, to collaborate effectively, we have to hold ourselves accountable, not just for our own work, but for the work of the team. By holding ourselves accountable for the work of the team or for higher up in the organization, perhaps our division or maybe the organization itself, we have better purchase. We are looking beyond ourselves and beyond our own work. And we are seeing how by being accountable, we are more likely to interject and we're more likely to work towards influencing a positive outcome. So being accountable is extremely important if we're going to collaborate effectively. The second thing that we can do is we can anticipate the needs of others. We, again, don't want to be in that industrial age uh, period where we're waiting to be told what to do. If we've got our part of the job done, let's look around and see what others need in order to finish their part of the job. Let's be proactive. We also want to actively listen. And actively listening means that we want to listen to understand. This means slowing down our own thought processes not worrying about getting our own ideas in at the moment. What we want to do instead is we want to listen carefully. We want to understand the context in which someone else is speaking. If necessary, we want to repeat back or paraphrase to make sure that we are truly understanding what they have to say. We also want to make sure that we're bringing all of our skills and all of our talent to the organization and particularly to our team. Again, 
just because we've been assigned a particular role doesn't mean that we can't step in and help others out by bringing forth a talent or skill that uh, perhaps is uncalled for in the parameters of our own job. Finally, we need to be willing to do more. It's not enough to be sitting there and saying, well, I got all my work done. It's time for me to go home. We need to look at the team. What does the team need for us? Is there a way for us to contribute? Is there a way for us to do a bit more uh, for the organization to move that purpose forward? So that's uh, some thoughts on collaborating effectively. Uh, let's look at engagement. Again, I'd like you to take just a moment or two uh, and think about how you engage in the workplace. First, we want to value other people's opinions and ideas. If we go in and we say, oh, that's never going to work, we've just closed off our colleague. If instead we were to say, that's an interesting idea and have you considered, or perhaps you might say something like, could we build on that? We don't want to shut people down. We want to engage with people. And we can enhance that engagement by showing that we value uh, what they bring to the organization. We also want to be inclusive and ensure everyone has a voice. I'm sure you've been in a situation where you've had a mix of extroverts and introverts, and it seems like the extroverts take up all the time and all the airspace. We want to make sure that we are bringing in those introverts. We want to hear from everyone in the room. And that may mean that we have to take the initiative. We may say, you know, these are all great ideas, but we haven't heard from James yet, or we haven't heard from Elizabeth. Let's hear what their opinions are, what their ideas are, and bring them into the conversation. We also want to promote the contributions of others. We want to thank people for a job well done, and we want to make sure that they get the recognition that they deserve. Doing this creates a we mentality. It's not me here just doing the job. It's the team and I working together. We are here because we all have value and we all bring value to the purpose or to that mission. And finally, we want to orient ourselves on the mission and focus on the vision. Remember the mission is what we do in the day to day. And the vision is that altruistic future that we wanna to try to take the organization towards. We wanna move ourselves along that way. So you should be constantly asking yourself, how am I fulfilling the mission and what am I doing to contribute to the vision? to contribute to that aspirational place where we would like to see the organization go. So we've talked now about gaining influence, collaborating effectively and enhancing engagement. So in closing, we have moved from the industrial age to the knowledge age. We now know that we want to be proactive and we want to partner with the leader to achieve the best possible outcome. 
And that means that we highly support the leader and we highly support the members of our team, but we're willing to challenge them when their actions or behaviors detract from us reaching the overarching goals of our purpose. Remember that you can lead from any role within the organization through influence, collaboration, and engagement. Thanks very much for that, Dr. Reed. I hope you found his thoughts on leading and following in today's challenging times inspiring. We'll link to previous publications and presentations in our show notes if you're interested in learning more. Well, that's all from us today. Tune in next time for the next episode in FIE's Student Global Leadership Conference podcast series. FIE, we're here to help you unlock a wider, brighter future.